What is up, leapers and fellow travelers? It's Sam from Fates Wide Wheel here, and I am here to basically record something because I had to. Uh, I had recorded an episode earlier in the day, and unbeknownst to me, they were dropping the season two trailer later in the afternoon, which I am sure you've all seen now. Uh, I shared it on Twitter, uh, direct from the Entertainment Weekly, a story that dropped with the trailer premiere embedded in it, and uh, it's great. Uh, it gives me the opportunity to talk about some things that I could only hint at earlier because now it's out there. It's out there and we've seen it. And I love uh, so much about the trailer and I just wanted to uh, give a general overview of it, talk about a couple of specific things. Um, won't necessarily go too deep. This isn't going to be like me dissecting the trailer and be like, what happens here? Uh, sort of level of stuff, um, just sort of initial impressions and then talking about a couple of things that uh, I did kind of know about um, beforehand, uh, but couldn't talk about due to some of the embargoes. But now that NBC put it out there themselves, yay, we can talk about it. Um, first off, I love the way that the trailer leans into the story of the time traveler leaping through time, uh, setting right what once went wrong. Uh, we hear all of that from Ben's own mouth, which is super cool. And we hear all of it from his mouth because he's telling it to Hannah, uh, played by Eliza Taylor, one of the new characters for the season. Um, and I can say that because they show her. They show her in the trailer. That's who that is. So Hannah is someone that Ben confides his secret to um, along the way. Um, there's some other stuff that I know about Hannah that I can't share yet, but you're going to get to see it. And I can't wait until we can all start talking about it because um, I think that she's a very interesting character. Um, we get to see uh, all of these different years uh, and time periods and places. We get to go to places where the original could never go. And I want to address something right off of the bat because I've seen it brought up a couple of times. There are some people that aren't really happy with the idea that they are going further back in time. You know, that we're seeing the Salem witch trials, for instance, that he's going to be spending time in the 60s, that he's going to spend time in the 40s, that, you know, that, that, that a lot of this season takes place based off of the information we have prior to uh, Ben's own lifetime. Let's get a couple of things out of the way right up front. One, the original conceit of the show was not out of any sort of scientific rationale whatsoever. It was two chief reasons, budget and because Don Belisario thought the show would appeal to a specific audience. And in order to appeal to said specific audience, he wanted to set it basically within his own lifetime, um, you know, within the, the events that he had seen, that he had experienced, that he wanted baby boomers to be able to be attracted to the show because they were going to see the events through this lens. And that was, that was the reason, you know, those two things are the only impetus for Sam leaping within his own lifetime budget because they didn't know if they'd be able to afford to really produce a show on a weekly basis that could go anywhere, anywhere. And two, because marketing appeal, basically, what it comes right down to, um, that was the audience that, you know, Don Belisario thought that the show could appeal to. In fact, and I am happy to be corrected here, I'm pretty sure that Deborah Pratt has basically said before that that was not part of her original idea, that the idea of him leaping in his own lifetime, that was something that, that, that Don came up with later. And again, the chief reason for it was because budget and because he thought it would appeal to a certain core demographic. So when you think about that being, you know, the whole reason why Sam couldn't leap uh, outside of his own lifetime, even though, of course, he would later on in season five leap outside of his own lifetime. Um, I think it's great that the shackles are off, frankly. Uh, you know, we've already seen in the previous season multiple leaps uh, into times prior to Ben's own lifetime. Um, some of those episodes were amongst, you know, my favorite. I mean, somebody up there likes Ben being one of the first where it's just sort of like, look at this. You know, he's outside of his own lifetime. Um and and that would that trend would continue. You know, we'd see like the 30s, we'd see, you know, we'd see other time periods, uh, uh the old west. So I don't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it then. And I certainly don't have a problem with it now. I think that it's, it's already easily been explained away that, you know, due to the, the, the way that uh, Ben, you know, kind of rewrote some of the programming for uh, uh, quantum leaping in general and the way that of course, future Ian then also assisted in, you know, figuring out the way to pinpoint specific time periods, uh, including the future. Um, you know, there's already a rationale for it. Um, and I, I, I think it's great. I, why not go there? And why not explore all of this stuff that we have to explore? Tell these wonderful stories that can take place anytime um, and 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 anywhere. I, I just think that that's fantastic. And it, 
creates a much richer show, uh, quite frankly, for it. I don't think that the restrictions on it being in Ben's own lifetime serve any real purpose other than, again, the original impetus for it being that it was done out of budgetary concerns and and basically marketing to to target a certain audience. Um, you know, and I think that those two ideas were, were fairly linked. So I don't necessarily want to, you know, say that they were like exclusive uh, in any way. Um, so I love the fact that we got to see all these different time periods. Um, we're going to Egypt. We're going to see pyramids. It's amazing. Uh, I, I, I love that, you know, that that we're getting that. I think it looks incredible. Um, and I cannot wait to see more and to learn more, especially about the production of some of these episodes, that episode in particular. Um uh, I was going to say something and I'm not sure if I can say it. And I'm really sorry. That sounds kind of crappy, but uh, I, I almost let it slip. Um, and you know, me editing is not my friend all the time. So I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, but it is something about that episode. And again, I just think that's going to be a fantastic episode and I cannot wait for, for people to see it. I have not seen it yet. So, um, I'm just going off of some, some gut feelings basically. Um, the future. Let's talk about the future. So 2050 was shown, which of course was the time that Ben leapt into when they met future Ian. And um, there were some rumblings, of course, that, you know, that these were the same scenes that we had already seen. But I don't think that's true. I don't think it's the same exact footage from Judgment Day. Um, I think it's very similar. Uh, but I think that uh, that that what I'm seeing here is it looks as though we might actually be going. Um, we might be going back to the future. Oh, yeah, I said that. Um, I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, again, you know, it's 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 so much of this is still a complete mystery to me, um, as it should be. And uh, I can't wait to see if we do get a chance to go back to the future. I think it could have some really, really interesting implications for the show. Um, we hear Jen with an, a line about the butterfly effect, which makes me wonder, you know, um, is some of the stuff that Ben runs into in the past and in particular with the character of Hannah, knowing that she is going to be recurring. Um, will that have an impact um, on some sort of like overarching storyline. Um, will we get to like a satisfying conclusion of that storyline by episode eight? I don't think so. Uh, I think that if if we are left with only eight episodes in season two, I think we're definitely going to be left with a lot of unanswered questions um, for, for season three, uh, fingers crossed, to, to wrap up. But uh, it, it just, it looks, it looks great. Um, I, I, I think that everything that I already felt after having seen the first three episodes is only amplified by now having seen this trailer. Um, a lot of the footage from the trailer, I will absolutely say is not from those first three episodes. There's, there's, um, a chunk of it that is from one of the uh, episodes, but I, I don't know that I saw two of the episodes represented. So everything else is actually from like four, five, six, seven, and eight, which is really cool that they were putting that much out there from beyond uh, what like reviewers and, and, and you know folks like myself have already seen. Um, it's a great, it's just a great trailer. It's got me hyped. It seems like it's got a lot of people hyped that I've seen out there on the internet. I'm so excited um, for the series to begin airing and to start, you know, just having these conversations specifically about the episodes going forward. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of great stuff to talk about. And, um, you know, the uh, one of the things that was mentioned in the Entertainment Weekly article is they did pinpoint which I was already aware of because you've know, seen the episode, but they did pinpoint the uh, time and location for the premiere episode, which is 1979 in Russia. Um, ben is a part of a military team. Um, and uh, that's about all I can say. I think there might've been a couple of other things in that article, but I don't want to take any chances. So um, yeah, it's, but it's, it's a great episode. It's going to be really cool. And I cannot wait to see what people think um, of, of the episode. I, I just think it's a wonderful reintroduction. It reminds me in many ways, not having to do with the plot or, or anything else, but it reminds me in many ways of how we've talked on this show before about Honeymoon Express, about how the first season of Quantum Leap has some great episodes, no doubt about it. I mean, obviously you've got Color of Truth in there, one of the best episodes of the series. And season one uh, of the revival, great episodes, no doubt about it. But this feels like a wonderful reintroduction to the series. It's a perfect place for people who haven't even seen the first season to come in and watch the show. Yeah, they're going to have questions. Yes, there are things that they're not necessarily going to know or connect the dots on. But that said, it, it holds its own so well as a singular episode. And so I think that on October 4th, my hope is there's going to be a lot of people sitting down to watch this episode that have not seen Quantum Leap yet. 
The good news is, of course, if you haven't yet seen Quantum Leap, there are a couple of ways to watch season one uh, and the classic series, even if you want to try to binge all of that as well. Uh, you can head over to Peacock and you can stream those episodes. Um, you can pick up the Blu-rays. Um, you know, Mill Creek did the complete series for the classic series. And then, of course, there's the official release on Blu-ray and DVD of the revival series season one, um, which I did a review of a few weeks back. Um, it's longer than that now, isn't it? time just keeps moving along. Uh, and uh, those are both excellent ways to watch uh, the new series and get caught up in time for the premiere uh, on October 4th. You, you'd you have to roughly watch like, you know, not two episodes every night, but but more than one episode a night in order to get uh, there and, and meet up in time for the, the new season to start. But um, I am just so excited for season two. I think season two is um, already just based off of what I've seen a, a cut above stronger in a lot of ways, um, which is saying a lot because we had a lot of really great episodes in season one. And um, I think season two is looking is looking like it's on a great trajectory. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what everyone else thinks i'm loving all the comments and reactions that i'm seeing to the trailer um uh, again the overall vibe is that people are, are are very positive about it i've seen a couple of nitpicks obviously about um you know the the the, the, the leaping outside of ben's own lifetime stuff and a couple of things about leaping to the future and the way that the trailer was cut together um you know wanting to know like when and 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 where we were in certain points and i think that that confusion is okay because it's just a trailer right you know it's just supposed to get us interested and hyped and hooked and uh, I think it succeeds um, on that level without a doubt and the footage from season one um, that's used yeah why, why wouldn't you use that especially considering some of the stuff that they used which is great um, and it's going to lead us into an amazing and incredible and wonderful and awesome season two I just know it um, and I can't wait to talk more about the premiere episode in a couple of weeks um, uh, as I mentioned multiple times and what you're about to see the rest of the episode I uh, will of course have that episode up immediately following um, the airing of uh, the season premiere of Quantum Leap on October the 4th uh, so that will be 9 p.m. Eastern 8 p.m. Central for the Fates Wide Wheel episode drop immediately after the 8 p.m. Eastern 7 p.m. Central uh, uh, airing of Quantum Leap um, that's all I've got for this part. There's uh, about 35-ish more minutes to come after this, but I needed to at least give a bit of a trailer reaction because, um, yeah, it, it happened, and it happened after I had already recorded an episode, and I felt like I'd be missing out if I didn't throw this on there, considering that it's going to be dropping the same day that that trailer dropped as well. Um, it looks great, you know, Addison's smile that we see in the trailer. Ben's a spy. How cool is that? Uh just a lot of great stuff. A lot of great stuff. He gets to punch a Nazi, you know, awesome. That'll never be wrong or old. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff coming. Um, uh, the LA riots in 92. Um, I was given a bit of a heads up on that episode. And uh, I, I think it's, I, I, yeah, I think that that's going to be a fantastic episode as well. So looking forward to that one, looking forward to the Egypt episode. Um, and uh, that's all I can say. The the episode, I, I, I think I can get away with saying this. Here we go. The episode where Ben is talking to Hannah in the uh, beginning of the trailer is not either one of those episodes. I'll say that much. It's also not one of the first three episodes. I think I'm going to be able to get away with that one. We'll see if NBC still... <laughs> grants me access anyway uh it's gonna be great uh and i'm really looking forward to hearing what everyone else thinks uh so please leave your comments uh send me that email um you know find me dm me uh you got the instagram the facebook the twitter the x whatever um yeah if x ends up being a subscription-based service which i guess is the thing that they are hinting at um you won't find me there anymore because uh the last thing i want to do is is you know pay money for something like that um and i certainly wouldn't want to pay any of the lovely patrons dollars towards something like that i'll instead invest it in um, you know, service base and, and, and other tools to help create these videos and podcasts, um, as opposed to giving it to Elon and any of those fellas or folks or whatever. Uh, so thank you all so very much. I really appreciate it. Stay tuned for the rest of the episode coming at you right about now.
Hello, leapers and fellow travelers. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. I am your host, Sam. And this week, I will be previewing season two of Quantum Leap. I have seen the first three episodes, but I can't say much. Just put that right up front. I'm not going to try and string you along and get you to the end of the video and talk about a bunch of other things. There's not a lot I can say. Um, this time around, when we receive the screeners, and I say we as in everyone out there um, that, that reviews the episodes or, or has access to, to the Media Village, when we received our screeners this time around, the email was very specific, uh, even beyond the normally worded spoiler embargo until air date, about specific elements of the episodes, um, some of which I, I was already aware of ahead of time. So luckily, they didn't spoil things for me. Unfortunately, I know that there are definitely some folks out there that uh, were spoiled right up front because NBC decided to just put it all out there. Um, and not only did they do it in the email, which contained the link, but also uh, they did it at the beginning of each episode. So if you're watching the episode, there's usually like a little screen that airs with some text on it. And it says, you know, all spoilers embargoed until air date. You know, thank you for respecting this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and this time again, they listed very specific spoiler items, which, you know, could not be revealed. Um, I guess just going one step further to ensure that nothing would leak out ahead of the premiere of season two. And I completely understand that because there is some big, big stuff coming. Um, the, the scope of it is, is, is larger than I think a lot of viewers might even be expecting or anticipating. Um, we get answers to some questions that were left dangling at the very end of uh, season one, which I know a lot of people will be very satisfied with. And we get that stuff pretty much right off the bat. Um, I'm trying to think what exactly I can say or how exactly I can say it. I'll start with this. They're very good. All three episodes are fantastic. Um, I thought that the first episode in particular really played to the strengths of the production team uh, and the actors. Uh, there's some wonderful acting, wonderful dialogue. Uh, the plot, I thought, uh, was, was fantastic. Um, there's, there's just some excellent cinematography. It feels big. It feels kind of beyond um, some of the episodes we got in season one. And that's not a knock on season one. As any listener to the show knows, there were a lot of episodes that I loved dearly in season one. But there's something about the first episode that just feels like a step above, a cut above, uh, which is great. It's a great way to not only, I think, reward viewers coming back after the, the break uh, for the summer, but also bring in new viewers, in particular at this time of the strike, when there won't be a lot of new television programs airing. So uh, it's a perfect opportunity to jump in if you haven't been following the show already. Um, there is, of course, a little Saga Cell you know, preview at the very beginning, which gets you up to speed with the events of season one. Um, I don't even want to say too much about that because I think that there's a couple of things about that uh, that are that are nice surprises, perhaps. Um, episode one gives us uh, uh, just a lot of great stuff. Uh, some 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 nods to not only season one but to the classic series. So pay attention; you're going to get rewarded, I think, if you're a fan of the classic series. Um, and it. Again, it really stands on its own as a fantastic episode of television, a fantastic episode of Quantum Leap, and a wonderful, wonderful way to come back to the series. Um, episode two, again, very similar, honestly. Um, it, it just feels like a good episode of television. There's some really wonderful uh, character drama. The, the emotional stakes are pretty high, especially for some of our regulars. Uh, and, and, and again, some wonderful interactions between characters and guest stars. Um, I can't even talk about who the guest stars are because that's something else that uh, was indeed uh, embargoed. Uh, so, so I can't even mention names, but uh, there's some, some really wonderful stuff there. Um, you know, we do get, um, just a nice mix of things in episode two. I'll leave it at that. I have to be very careful what I say here. Uh, and then episode three, uh, episode three might've been my favorite of the bunch. It's hard. It, you know, if I was pressed back against the wall to rank them, I might go three, one, two, uh, but I could easily do one, three, two as well. And that's not because two is bad by any stretch. I just think that uh, one and three, again, kind of represent that cut above uh, two, as far as I'm concerned, stands among a lot of the most solid episodes of episode uh, of season one. Um, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 it to me it did not necessarily represent the 
the leap forward, uh, if you will, that that one in three kind of did to me. I, I felt like one in three really did some interesting, unique things and and just changed the way that uh, maybe I, I approach the show as a viewer and not because of, of anything revelatory in the storyline, but honestly, in some ways, just because of the production values, just because the way that the episodes are constructed, uh, it the show does feel a little different. And, and I think that's a good thing. Um, it's no secret. We've discussed it on the podcast before. Obviously, season one, when it started out, you had different showrunners. Um, you know, the first few episodes were planned to be, uh, uh, you know, already kind of they were they were planned to be something not not other than what they were. But we know that episode one of season one was not the original pilot episode, for instance. Um, we know that that was moved to what a disaster uh, episode six. And then uh, episode two largely was as is. But again, that was kind of a different creative team at the helm. Um, and, and I liked two. you know, I, I had no problems with two. Obviously, episode three was really kind of the first episode where the new creative team got to start to put their stamp on the show. Um, Drew Lindo, who's been on the show before, uh, he was the writer of that episode. And it was it it was my first favorite episode basically of the season. I, that episode to me represented so much of what, you know, quantum leap is and, and can be and, and what this new iteration can do as well. Um, so that said, knowing that, that there was this other creative team kind of at the helm originally, the, the, the first season was really about learning, um, you know, who these characters are, what the writing team could do, the type of stories they wanted to tell while also resolving some of the things that had been set up for them, you know, prior to the departure of that, that original creative team. Uh, and when I say creative team, I mean, obviously there's still involvement from a lot of people that were there initially. And, and, um, you know, Brian Winbrett and Steve Lillian are still listed as executive producers, uh, you know, even in the new season. So it's not like a complete total, shift. However, you know, with Martin Garrow and Dean Georgeris and, and some of the other writers and producers that got brought in, um, they didn't necessarily get the chance to really put their stamp on the show uh, until this season. And I think that that shows and it shows in a very good way. And that's not anything, you know, to be critical of, of what was done before, because I still really liked season one. Uh, I enjoyed the aspect of the mystery box. I enjoyed having, uh, you know, this overarching storyline, which is something that we never got with the classic series. Um, so it's not a knock. It's just that it's, it's this wonderful kind of freshening up of a show that didn't necessarily need to be freshened up. And yet it pays off a great deal that it has been kind of refreshed in a way. Um, and I just think that there's a lot of really great stuff coming, um, you know, with what little I know about four, five, six, seven, and eight. Um, I, I'm just very excited. And some of what I know about four, five, six, seven, and eight is literally to be excited because there's good stuff on the way. Um, I've told, I've been told that by people that I trust. So um, I, I'm just really looking forward to the season as a whole. And I think that these first three episodes are going to reward viewers of season one, reward viewers of the classic series as well. Cause again, there are, there are a couple of little nods in there that people will, will catch and really enjoy and savor, I think. Um, and overall, you know, I could not help but be, um, Oh, how do I say this? Because if I say it the wrong way, I feel like I might be giving away too much. Impressed, I guess. I'll leave it with that. Impressed um, with Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett uh, and Mason Alexander Park in particular over the course of these first three episodes. I think they all three get some really cool stuff to do. Um, and, uh, and and Henry Hudson, obviously, and Anne Lee as well. Um, but I think that, that, that Raymond really, really, really gets some great stuff to do with Ben. Um, and I think that, that Caitlin is finding all new levels with Addison. So um, really a lot to appreciate in the performances. And then the writing, I think that the writing for, again, for one and three in particular, and nothing against two, two has some beautiful moments in it, but one and three in particular, the writing is, is, is just really great. And um, I, I think the other thing that's on display in these first three episodes is the, uh, I'm going to do it again, I'm so sorry, leaping between genres and how well the show uh, accommodates that and how well the actors adapt to it. And um, it, it's really cool. You know, it still feels like Quantum Leap. It feels like this iteration of Quantum Leap, yet they are definitely kind of switching things up as far as the types of stories that they can tell from week to week without, um, and I'm going to use this word, but I don't mean it hypercritically, unbeam, you know, with, without being burdened by a, a an overarching storyline that they have to kind of pay attention to and obviously there were episodes you know last season that uh were not beholden to that either that that certainly took a step you know away from from that 
overarching plot to kind of tell its own story. But in these first three episodes, because there isn't that mystery kind of laid out from the very beginning um, in the same way that there was in, in the beginning of season one, um, it, it pays off. It pays off a great deal. I hope I didn't say too much. I might've said too much. I don't think I did. Anyway, um, they're great. I, I really look forward to seeing what the dialogue is um, with, you know, listeners to the show, what the other, you know, podcasts and reviewers think, because again, I think episode one is, is just a great way to start off the season. Great way to bring in new viewers, great, great way to reward viewers of season one and the classic series so um october 4th it's it's fast approaching you know we're, we're a little over two weeks away and um i'm i'm just very 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 excited um it's 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 wild to think that uh it, you know we we got three episodes dropped at once this early you know last year it was dropped like just a, a week ahead if, if even that i don't think it was a full week i think it was like four or five days ahead um and and usually screeners would come just a few days before air date. Uh, so to have the opportunity to, you know, see the episodes this early, get the chance to, you know, view them again, put together maybe some more thoughtful uh, commentary on them and, and deliver those episodes to you right after the episode airs, uh, just like Fate's Wide Wheel had, had been doing before, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, if the strikes resolve uh, in time, which... The outlook does not look great. Let's be honest. Uh, I will certainly endeavor to bring some guests in, get some folks in to to talk about the episodes. Um, but you know, as it stands, um, I'm certainly going to uh, be chatting with some potential guest hosts, uh, some people that you've seen before on the show, some people that you haven't seen before on the show. Maybe if you are uh, a patron and you've come to some of our our hangouts uh, and watch parties for the episodes, there will be some familiar faces and voices uh, from those particular events uh chiming in as well um and other listeners um, that have reached out to offer support which i am incredibly grateful for everybody's been so cool and supportive of not only um you know fate's wide wheel and myself going forward but dennis as well which is great and that's exactly you know what we would want so uh we really appreciate all of that um Let's move on to a few other things. Uh, but uh, I, again, I, I don't want to give short shrift. I just want to say there's not a lot I can say. So that's why, you know, you're getting like 10 minutes of thoughts on three episodes. Um, because, yeah, spoilers are a big no-no anyway. I wouldn't want to do that for any of the listeners uh, or the viewers out there. And um, and hopefully I've not said too much or anything that would give anything away. I don't think I have. I, I, I don't think I said anything remotely uh, in that direction or vein. Um, so we'll move on to talk just briefly about the strikes, actually, because that is certainly something that will have an impact and an effect on whether or not we get more episodes of season one. It will also have an impact and an effect uh, on whether or not we are able to have guests on the show. Now, I want to say before I get into too much of that, I want more than anything for a, an equitable, fair resolution to these strikes for the people that are participating in the writers and the actors um, who, you know, I, I adore. And, and I'm so lucky to have made contact with them, have them on the show, uh, um, you know, conduct the interviews that Fate's Wide Wheel has done. Uh, and, and I certainly think that that is more important than getting anybody on this show to talk about Quantum Leap. That said, um, I certainly get the feeling um, that, you know, people do want to talk about the show. They want to be able to celebrate this thing that they've worked so hard on and they want to communicate with the fandom and they want to be able to take part um, in these conversations. Um, so I don't feel too awful um, <laughs> talking about it in that light because it's something that I do think that we all want, you know, myself, um, listeners, and, and of course the people involved with actually creating the show. Uh, so with that said, uh, the strikes were, unfortunately we're kind of in the same place that we were you know, as far as a lay person like myself can say, uh, the last time that we talked about this a few weeks ago, there's not a whole lot of new information there. There's still kind of more of the same. The tensions are still kind of there. Um, you know, unfortunately you're still having CEOs and studio heads say things that just feel dumb. Um, quite frankly, uh, and, 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 and kind of mean spirited in some ways. Um, uh, very insensitive and unempathetic, um, which is unfortunate, um, you know, trying to, to paint things in a certain light in order to make themselves and their companies look better. Uh, fortunately, I don't think that most people are falling for it. I think that most people are kind of like, Hey, you made $30 million last year. I'm not going to cry over this, especially considering that the vast majority of the people that are striking right now make, you know, 
less than $100,000 a year, less than $80,000, less than $60,000 a year. Um, so it, yeah, it, I, luckily, I think we're, we're in a good place as far as that uh, public perception is concerned. Um, in fact, they were looking to hire damage control. And uh, of course, I know social media had a bit of a field day with that, um, including a lot of the brilliant writers out there who are unable um, to, to do the work that they so love right now in order to make sure that they are protected going forward. Um, so uh, I don't think that we're going to see a resolution, you know, next week, the week after, three weeks, four weeks from now. I do think that it's going to be uh, uh, ongoing. Uh, my my genuine hope is, and, and it's, it's unrealistic and idealistic, and I know that, is that something can happen by November. Um, I know that if if things get, you know, moving again in November, that uh, season two can, can get started back up. People can get back to work just like they want to. I know they want to get back to work. Um, and, and I love them for that. I love the fact that, you know, I, I know during season one, there were a lot of people that tried to kind of take to task the people working on this show for a variety of reasons, because it didn't feel enough like the original series, because, you know, they thought this didn't make sense, or did they ever think about this or, you know, that and, 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 and what that really just does a disservice to is the amount of passion um, amongst the the team that's creating and working on this show. And uh, I just love the fact that they, you know, they want to get back to work, you know, they want to they want to create this show. They want to put it out there. They believe in the show. They believe in what the show can do, um, you know, in a very simple ma manner. And whether that ends up just being entertainment or or really affecting people and, and giving people something to, to think about and, and moving people in, in, in wonderful ways that a lot of television shows just don't necessarily have that same empathy engine to do. Um, I, I just think it's fantastic that they want to get back to work. And I hope that they can, because I know that if they do in November, that, you know, the rest of season two will be a piece of cake. Right. Um, I think I'm guessing on this. This is pure speculation. And, and I don't know for certain about this. I'm guessing that the strike could probably go as far as into, you know, December, um, maybe even early January. And still things would kind of get get on track to to maybe produce a few more episodes. Um, um, you know, uh, there'd be a bit of a hiatus, I would imagine. But they could maybe, you know, get some stuff out there um, before you know, they'd have to break again. I, I don't know that though, for sure. That's just a, a wild guess on my part. Um, I know that they were working on, you know, finishing season one into, I believe it was like February um, of this year. Uh, so, you know, maybe they could do two or three more episodes um, of a second season. Um, and maybe they wouldn't even do that. Maybe it would just be like, this is our second season. Now let's move on to, you know, getting pre-production on season three. Um, uh, I know some of that stuff happened simultaneously as well. Uh, I, I've heard that there were times when, you know, they were working on season one stuff while other folks were working on season two stuff. Um, you know, it lasts like January, February, March. People were doing both things, basically. So um, it, it, it's a lot to balance and it's it's a lot to kind of even try to speculate on because I don't know the full ins and outs of, of you know, how production schedules work and, um, you know, how they might be able to shoot episodes, write episodes, etc. cetera, uh, how much time they need to do that. Um, again, you know, I had, I had kind of always heard that November was would be kind of the sweet spot for them to be able to just sort of almost, almost seamlessly finish out the rest of season two. Of course, once the holidays hit, it gets really hard to kind of figure out exactly what's going to happen, especially with the, the resolutions of the strikes. If it goes, you know, past the new year and past that, then again, we're probably just going to get the eight episodes that uh, have already been filmed. Um, one cool little tidbit that I did find out, actually, is that the eight episodes were completed, like 100% completed, um, I believe... Um, I want to say it was about maybe six weeks ago or so, um, because, you know, the thing is, is that obviously the writers and the actors couldn't work on these. However, um, you know, you did have like uh, um, VFX and, and, and post-production stuff that could be done, um, you know, after the fact, of course, um, even even amidst the strikes. Um, now, I don't again, I don't know specifically what was done, you know, when and, and how and all that sort of stuff. But I do know that all eight episodes were, were completed um, you know, about 
uh, yeah, about four or six weeks ago, something like that, I want to say. So um, it, again, I hope that we get more of season two. I hope that they finish that initial 13 uh, episode order. I hope that they get the the extra episodes added on like they did in the first season so we can get an even bigger season two. But uh, I, I do firmly believe, and I could be proven completely wrong on this down the road, and I sure as hell hope I'm not, that we are going to get more Quantum Leap one way or the other, um, whether it's more of season two or a season three. I really believe that's going to happen. I think that the show um, has performed well enough for NBC. I think NBC has a lot of faith in it. I think that the type of show that it is, and I think that the people involved in the show um, and what people are noticing about the show is enough to uh, ensure that we get more Quantum Leap. I, I really believe that that's going to be the case. Um, and I certainly hope it is. Um, I, I want there to be more of season two than eight episodes, but if there's not, I, I, I at least hope that we get uh, a third season. Um, let's talk a little bit about Fate's Wide Wheel. So, you know, it's been uh, a little difficult uh, recently to consistently get episodes out. Um, and part of that has just been the busyness of life in general. Um, and for that, I apologize because I would much rather be delivering episodes every week as opposed to every two weeks, every three weeks or whatnot. I knew once season one finished that there would be a little bit of downtime here and there. Um, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's happened for me personally um, between my father's past and 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 then just kind of wrapping my head around clearing out his storage unit and going through all of his stuff and you know doing that sort of stuff and then you know of course uh, the changes here at Fate's Wide Wheel as everyone is well aware of you know it, it, they all of that stuff coupled with you know my daughter starting kindergarten and um, of course the other endeavors that I'm involved in um, it, it's just it's made it a little bit more difficult um, than usual to, to really get set up. And the other thing is too, is there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about. Um, I know that I have promised and will deliver at some point, uh, an episode on the twilight zone, an episode on star Trek deep space nine, and, uh, hopefully a chat about the first season of red dwarf with Matt Dale. Those are three things that are definitely in the pipeline, whether those happen before quantum leap starts up, I don't know, but, uh, that is something that will happen somewhere in the next whenevers um we have time now once uh, quantum leap starts airing there will indeed be an episode every week just like there was uh last season uh it will drop immediately following the airing of the episode um so you know 9 p.m uh, eastern 8 p.m central um there will be a brand new episode uh of fate's wide wheel dropping in correlation with the episode of quantum leap that just aired um and i'm hoping to actually get some of that stuff done well in advance. So there'll be no question as to when it, when it will actually drop. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Cause again, there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about just in those first three episodes alone. And I'm excited about the rest uh, of the season as well, because from the, the few previews that we've seen, some of the, the rumblings that I've, that I've heard and been able to pick up, um, from my sources, there's just some really, really cool stuff, uh, along the way. I mean, pyramids, come on, you know, uh, and it's going to be, it's going to be a great season. I really believe that. I think that there's a lot of great stuff, uh, in store for us. So, um, yes, fate's wide wheel obviously is not going anywhere. I am sure that anyone listening right now knows that. Uh, but I, I just want to reassure you that there's just been a lot going on right now. And that's the reason why, uh, Fate's Wide Wheel has not been released more consistently um, compared to uh, what it was in the lead up to season one. And then, of course, during season one as well. Um, what's happening in my world? Well, dear listeners and viewers of Fate's Wide Wheel, um, you know, life has has been really rough this past year. And I think most people know that there's been a lot of changes for me. Um, there's been a big move, um, you know, getting into the new house, working a lot on on getting the house prepared for us to move in. Um, you know, my daughter finishing up preschool, um, the passing of my father, um, me, you know, coming out in certain circles. In fact, there are people here uh, that listen and watch this podcast that know this that don't you know that that, that aren't aware uh, are that are aware of things that there are other people in my life that aren't aware of but you know me coming out as non-binary and um 
you know, kind of just wrestling with everything that's associated with gender identity and, and what that means for me personally. Um, you know, there's been a lot of really difficult stuff, but there's been a lot of amazing stuff as well and stuff that I'm so grateful for. Um, and being able to do this is certainly one of them. And and having the people that listen uh, and comment and, and, and have been so supportive um, has been very special to me. So I'm grateful for that. So a couple of the really cool things that have happened. Um, uh, you know, my daughter started kindergarten, which has been amazing to see her going to school. It's all day, full day you know, Monday through Friday kindergarten. So it, it, that first week was difficult, right? You know, dropping her off at school, seeing her walk in and, and, and she's, she's a small one, you know, she's, she's even kind of small for her age and just watching her walk in and, um, not even really wave goodbye those first couple of days she did but now it's literally just sort of like smell you later and you know out of the car but um i love being able to drop her off and i love being able to pick her up she wants to ride the bus and we're gonna get there uh but for right now i'm just cherishing the fact that i get to drive her to school and drop her off and pick her up and it means it means a lot to me and um seeing the ways that she's already growing and the ways that she's asking questions in a completely different fashion than she did before is amazing to me and i am loving every second of that um seeing the things that she brings home um you know both like the physical things you know the art projects the homework etc because yes even in kindergarten they have homework who knew um it, it, it's like two questions it's easy stuff but uh it, you know it's it just it's been wonderful to see that and and to see what she's doing and 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 of course you know these days um it's a far cry from when I was in kindergarten. Uh, we get pictures and, uh, um, you know, little updates sent to us throughout the day. Uh, not every day, but most days, you know, we'll get these little updates about what they're doing and, you know, pictures of, of some of the activities that she's participating in, um, which is kind of wild to me because it's just, I know that that's not something that's totally new, but certainly for someone who's not been in, in, in a school, uh, for, for over 20 years, it's, it's just, it is new. It is new. And, um, it, it raises a lot of questions about technology, et cetera. But for me as a parent, it's definitely a comfort to be able to see some of that stuff. Um, the way she processes the things that she's learned and not even like the actual like lessons and the information that they're being given and, and taught, but um, even, even processing the way that that information is delivered and the way that they're learning about just what it is to go to school has been incredible to see. And, um, you know, I now have a child who will come home and go up to a room and get in there and get all of her stuffed animals and her dolls out and put them on the bed and start like teaching, you know, and, and playing school basically, which is something that I think a lot of us did. I know I did when I was younger. So, um, it's been incredible to see. Um, it's given me the opportunity and afforded me the opportunity to spend more one-on-one -on -one time with my son. Um, you know, he'll be two in about a month. And uh, prior to this, you know, for the most part, being a stay-at-home parent, I was, you know, with both of them, which was great, so rewarding. But now getting to have this extra time just one-on-one -on -one with him has been incredible. And seeing the way that he's grown and seeing the way that he plays and the questions he has and how um, special, uh, something like lunch is, you know, preparing lunch, bringing him into the kitchen with me and, you know, having him kind of, he, he's got like this little, uh, sort of like step stool almost. And it's, it's specially made for like toddlers so that they can kind of crawl up into it, but then they can't really fall out of it. And it was actually his sister's, but he'll crawl up into it and he'll stand there at the counter while I make lunch and he'll ask questions. And sometimes he'll color. And it's just, it's, it's just wonderful to be able to have more of that time where I can focus purely on him. And it's been very valuable, um, you know, for me as, as a parent and, and hopefully for him too. We'll see. Um, it, so that's been wonderful. Um, the other thing is, as listeners will know, um, I had last year in, in 2022, I'd finally gotten back um, on stage. It had been a while. I, you know, I, I actually made my living as a professional actor for a number of years. Um, and then things kind of slowed down a little bit. And I, you know, decided to explore some other stuff. That other stuff was not necessarily making me happy or stimulating me. And so I was plotting my escape from it. And at the time I was doing that, all of a sudden the pandemic hit and it really didn't matter what I did because nothing was happening. There was no theater, you know? So, um, 
Uh, and then flash forward a few months, I got laid off due to the pandemic and it ended up being a bit of a blessing in disguise because it gave me that opportunity to spend that time with my children, obviously, and explore a lot of other stuff and do a lot of other stuff and then come out the other side and realize like, no, this is, this is what I should be doing. And so, um, you know, participated in the first show back for professional theater here in Chicago, um, which was great because there was this element I had in my mind. It's like, wow, it's been like five years since I did this. Um, but then I realized it's been like two years since anyone has done this. Uh, so we all feel that way. And I actually, cause I actually made the comment. And, and as I made the comment, you know, one of the other people was like, oh yeah, it's been like two and a half years for me. Oh yeah. It's been two years for me. And it's like, right. Because of the pandemic, nobody's been doing anything. So it was kind of a, it was, it was a unique opportunity for me to be able to get back on stage with a group of people that, you know, had not been able to to do it either. Um, and, uh, and I really enjoyed that. I also knew that balancing everything that was going on, um, in, in our lives at the time, it was going to be very difficult for me to, uh, continue that with any sort of consistent pace and, um, and, and with the move and everything else that was happening, you know, I wanted to audition for stuff and I was auditioning for a few things here and there doing some self tapes. Um, but in a way, it was almost good that I didn't get a couple of those jobs because it gave me time to focus on other things that were important. Um, and But I did end up getting another gig last fall. And so to be able to have two shows in one year, it was like, okay, great. You know, I can still do this. That's nice. And then this year... Um, you know, after we moved, I was like, I got to get back out there again. And, uh, and luckily, you know, things have been happening and it's been really great. And, uh, I was in a show, uh, back in, um, in, in June and then, uh, kind of followed that up with, um, being invited to take part in a uh, reading for a play at Chicago dramatist, which I was very excited about because I love working on new plays. Um, I, it, it's funny, <clears throat> for for the longest time, you know, through undergrad, uh, the question would often get asked, you know, what are your dream roles? What are your dream roles? Like everybody would always have these questions. And, you know, I would kind of give pat answers, especially for someone who at the time, you know, identified as, as, as male and had been grown up in kind of this like macho male household in a lot of ways. And so I would say things like, you know, Stanley in uh, Streetcar or, you know, Proctor in the Crucible or Hamlet or, or whatever. And, and, and somewhere around, you know, the end of undergrad, I started to realize I was like, no, I, I want to do something that hasn't been written yet. So when I asked that question once in an interview, actually, somebody was interviewing me, uh, believe it or not. And, um, you know, they asked, it was like, what are your dream roles? And I said, one that hasn't been written yet. And I still stand by that. And so the opportunity to take place in this reading, you know, was, was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. And it's a very unique play. And I hope it's one that gets produced. And, and when it does, it's, I hope it's something I can talk about. I don't, I don't think I'll be involved with it necessarily, but, um, yeah, that's just the way that, that readings often work and stuff. You, you know, sometimes you do, but, but not always. Um, but if it gets produced, I will definitely let people know about it because I, I thought it was really unique and really wonderful. Um, and then as a result of that, I was invited to take place, uh, take part in another uh, reading. This time it was a staged reading which for those that might not be aware like a reading of a play I mean you can literally just be like sitting around a table reading this out loud for no audience or whatever right you know maybe a couple of producers and the writer and you know that sort of thing um uh or in in this case uh you know you do have like a small audience um but it's mostly like you know friends of the writer or people who are members of, of chicago dramatists that sort of stuff um but the, the next one the staged reading um is you're actually up on your feet and you carry the script in your hand but you are doing some like rudimentary blocking to kind of help tell the story in that way as well as you know through the words that are on the page. Um, and stage readings are a lot of fun because it's, um, you know, you often get very limited rehearsal time. Um, and in this case, we had very limited rehearsal time. We were actually doing kind of our, our first sort of walkthrough, if you will, uh, prior to the, the, the performance, if you want to call it that, the actual staged reading. And um, again, it was a lot of fun and, and I love being able to take part in, in those types of things because I think that you learn, you learn so much, um, and, and, and you also get to, uh, help the writer and, and, you know, potential producers learn about the piece as well. Maybe things that they didn't know before when they just read it, uh, on the page. So it, it's, it's always a lot of fun. It's always great. And, you know, as, as a result of that, there are more opportunities that, that are, that are on the table. Um, and I'll discuss those at a later date, but I'm very excited to be able to, you know, be doing some work again, um, you know, regardless of the nature of it, it's just nice to be able to, 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 to know that that uh, chapter is not closed. And I, I knew that it wasn't, but for a while I tried to convince myself it was because I think it was easier for me to step away thinking that that was the case. Um, and now that things are, are, are kind of moving again, it's great. It's great to, to have that opportunity back in front of me. So um, 
it's been an incredibly rough year, but it's also been a really, really great year in a lot of ways. And I'm grateful for my family. Um, I'm grateful for my sobriety. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to, you know, do something that I love so much, which, uh, is, you know, is, is, is being able to act and, uh, work on, on stuff with great people and collaborate uh, as an artist and a creator. And, and, and that's just something that, um, you know, will always be, I think next to my, my family, my favorite thing in the world, the thing that I love more than anything. Um, but don't worry, you come right after all of that. Um, and I mean that, I mean that this being able to do this and connect with people in this way and talk about something that I love and connect with the people that not just the people that make the show, but also the people that are making the cool stuff like this. Artist JJ Lindell, of course, um, I've got uh, the two Quantum Leap posters there behind me, one for MIA and the other one for OE of Little Faith. Um, the... Um, Unfortunately, I don't have them up right now. And I'm trying to see if I have them close by. I do. Oh, well, not close enough. My office is kind of a mess right now. I, I, I don't really like to call it my office. I call it my studio, which just sounds really pretentious now that I've said that out loud. But anyway, um, JJ is amazing and awesome and wonderful and did some incredible prints for uh, Star Trek Strange New World. And uh, I have a number of those um, that I do want to hang up. They will probably be... Um, somewhere over there uh, as well. And yes, I am going to get the UR magic actually hanging on the wall very soon. Um, but uh, it's, it's a slow process here. Um, see if I have anything nearby that we can kind of just talk about real quick, do some quick shots. Yeah, I do. Actually, I got two things sitting here next to me. Everyone knows, uh, as well as this is a perfect segue from JJ Lindell, because it's something that we talked a lot about on the last episode that he was on is physical media. I love physical media. Um, I recently upgraded to a uh, dedicated 4K Blu-ray player. Um, before that, I was running, you know, everything on PlayStation 5, which is great. I mean, if that's the, the way that you're watching 4K stuff, awesome. Great. I'm just glad that people are doing it. Um, and uh, I've got an OLED uh, Ultra HD television in here as well um, that uh, I get to view all of my physical media on. And two things that I'm very excited about watching that I've not even cracked open yet um, are the anniversary edition of Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which for those that aren't aware, this was the animated film that was made um, back in the early 90s, uh, sort of spun out from the Batman, the animated series, which is classic, amazing, wonderful. Um, you know, Kevin Conroy um, uh, and Eileen Sorkin, unfortunately, both recently had passed away um, as Batman and uh, Harley Quinn, respectively. But this uh, spinoff film was, you know, critically praised at the time that it was released. It really has only grown in esteem since then. Um, it's a fantastic fantastic film um you know wonderful animation uh the, the the big budget really pays off of course even on the small screen you know batman had some some great animation there were some hiccups here there as well because you know it's a rush schedule it is for tv it's 25 minutes or whatever but that said uh this is great it's also oddly enough i i did not know this off the top of my head but it mentions it on the uh the back of the package the first uh warner brothers animated film to use uh computer generated um yeah, first ever use of computer generated animation, which I thought was really cool. I, I did not know that. So looking forward to cracking this open. It also includes a special feature on Kevin Conroy called I Am The Night, um, which I'm really looking forward to watching that as well. He was a spectacular, spectacular fellow and uh, left left us all too soon. I think had uh, more to give, quite frankly, um, even though he had already certainly made his mark uh, as Batman and through a lot of the work that he did post Batman, uh, a lot of charity work um, and uh, advocacy as well. So. Um, yeah, really looking forward to seeing both of those pieces. The other thing that I have, which um, <clears throat> I kind of almost didn't order, uh, and even after I'd ordered it, I almost canceled my pre-order um, just because uh, I, I don't want to buy everything uh, in spite of what my spouse might think. Um, and this is a film that I saw in theaters, and the minute I saw it in theaters, I loved it dearly. When I saw it in theaters, the first thing that I thought of, oddly enough, was Doctor Who. And I got home, and I can remember going on to like whatever internet forum it was back in the day, uh, and somebody had, oh, I think it was, it might have been Outpost Gallifrey, actually. Somebody had already posted a thread saying exactly what I was thinking about how they felt like this was almost like a, you know, this sort of weird American proto pilot for some sort of Doctor Who, you know, uh, film or something. Uh, it wasn't obviously, but it, it certainly had that feeling. <clears throat> so uh, I loved the movie and I owned it on DVD. I never upgraded it to Blu-ray or anything. I hadn't seen it in a long time. But one thing that I'd recently gotten into with physical media uh, is 
not all of them, but for some films, I'm really enjoying getting the steelbook version of. And uh, when I saw the, the beautiful design work on this, I just had to pick it up. And that is Sleepy Hollow. Uh, I just think that the steelbook looks beautiful. You can't really see it, I, I think, unfortunately, over the camera. But just the way that this is, is, is printed on the steel and the way that it's designed, it really gives it this, this 3D look almost. There's an incredible amount of depth to it. And um, yeah, I, I just love the way that it looks. And it's, you know, it's fairly simple, but, but it works. It's great. I know there's some people that don't like it, but, you know, teach their own um and comes with a booklet uh, uh lots of special features as well um well, maybe not lots of special features but a couple documentaries audio commentary um you know i tim burton is i i, I love a lot of what tim burton does i think he does some incredible work um certainly johnny depp at the time that this was made um was not quite the controversial fellow that uh, he has become um but uh, that said i think that he does some some wonderful work in this um in particular kind of straddling that line between uh, you know the the serious and and the comic um but there's also just a, a great cast in this a, a pretty deep cast in general christina ricci miranda richardson michael gambin um some some great stuff and of course danny elfman's score um so i'm really looking forward to to revisiting this film because it's been a long time since i saw it um also of note that one of the reasons why i'm happy i did not cancel my pre-order is that it is sold out uh, they did not make very many of the steelbooks apparently um and it's fetching a premium price uh, already which uh, on one hand is unfortunate because I, I would love to you know to be able to tell everybody go grab this it's awesome it's amazing unfortunately you can't unless you want to pay like two or three times uh what it what it initially cost um which don't do that uh, <laughs> so um that that's going to about do it. I think, um, I don't really have anything else to talk about. Um, I didn't really have a lot to talk about this time. I just was able to stretch it out into a full episode. Um, I'm really looking forward to the premiere of season two of quantum leap on Wednesday, October the 4th, 8 PM central, 7 PM, or excuse me, 8 PM Eastern, 7 PM central. Um, it's, it's really, uh, I think it's going to be really good. Um, and I'm talking about the response. I know the episode is good, but I think the response is going to be really good, uh, very positive. Um, and I can't wait to see what other, you know, other reviewers and, and other podcasters think um, about the episodes. Uh, I know that I know that others have seen it, obviously, already. Um, but uh, contrary to what people might think, there's no like long text chain where we're just all sitting there, like, you know, getting our thoughts back and forth. Um, I, I've I've. I may have exchanged some comments with one person in particular. It probably wouldn't take, you know, uh, a huge amount of work to figure out who that might be. Um, but I think that uh, we were on the same page, which is exciting because, uh, you know, anytime you, you kind of have opinions or thoughts uh, or feelings about something, you're always sort of like waiting to, to, to see if uh, anybody else agrees with you or if everybody thinks that you're just, you know, out of your mind. So I'm glad that I'm not. And um, um, I'm looking forward to to hearing your thoughts and, and opinions on it uh, as well, um, because uh, I, I want people to be happy about this and thrilled about this. And I, I really think people are. I think that this is going to appeal to an even wider audience than the first season did, quite frankly. And episode one, two and three of season two, I think will accomplish that a great deal. Um, again, episode one in particular is a perfect way to bring some new viewers in. I really think so. And uh, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about the collaborative process of episode one, because there's some unique collaboration, I think, that happened on this episode for the better. Um, and, and, and certainly we'll be addressing that once we, we get to cover episode one in detail, which of course will drop immediately after the premiere of season two on October the 4th at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, did that backwards, but immediately following the episode, you'll be able to find Fate's Wide Wheel covering the episode um, uh, on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. So um, thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. Um, I, you know, there have been elements of this episode and many episodes that, you know, we've done over the past year or so that have been confessional in nature at times, um, some more so than others. And I really appreciate your support. I appreciate your thoughts. I appreciate your, your friendship um, because that's, that's genuinely, you know, what it, what it feels like, you know, when people reach out and, and people send messages. And so I'm really grateful for that. And there are a couple of you in particular that um, I didn't ask for permission to name you ahead of time, so I'm not going to, but you know who you are, and I really, really thank you for the messages you've sent, whether it's you know Facebook Messenger or in the Twitter DMs um, and whatnot. I really appreciate it, and uh, you've been very kind, and um, I'm looking forward to following up on some of the things um, that, that we discussed or um, in my poor manners might not have addressed fully and completely, but will do so. Um, so thank you also very much. I really appreciate it. Of course, if you want to support the show, there is a Patreon, obviously at this particular point in time with the lack of consistency, I understand not wanting to necessarily jump on, 
completely get that. Once the season starts, there's going to be a lot of content coming your way. There'll even be some exclusive content for uh, Patreon subscribers. Um, I'm going to be able to detail a little bit more of what that is as we draw closer to the premiere date, which you're probably thinking two weeks out, you don't have it yet. Um, and the short answer is no, I don't because uh, part of that really kind of hinges on some of the things that I can or cannot talk about uh, and how I can talk about them. Um, but uh, certainly want to um, offer something to uh, Patreon subscribers. So you can head over to Patreon, of course, um, Fate's Wide Wheel. Um, but before you do that, just make sure that you are trying to right some wrongs out there in the world. Certainly look around your community, see if there's anything you can do, any local charities that you can support. If you want to help the world at large, of course, I will always, always, always shout out the Trevor Project and Doctors Without Borders, two of my favorite charities that I personally have donated to um, for, for a number of years now, actually. Uh, Doctors Without Borders is one that I've been supporting pretty much as soon as I made the decision. I was like, I'm going to do this. That's one that consistently I've, I've supported and the Trevor Project as well, um, just not quite as, as long, actually. Um, so uh, I will always, of course, recommend both of those. Um, but uh, if after all of that, you still have some change jingling around your pocket and you would like to throw it Fate's Wide Wheels way, I will certainly not say no. It will help keep the lights on, uh, help me to uh, afford the servers and et cetera, et cetera, um, for keeping the podcast going and the subscription fees and, and all of that jazz. So uh, I really do appreciate it. It means a lot for all of you that have stuck around in spite of the fact that there has not been as much content generated over the past few months as there had been in the year and a half or so prior to that. So I thank you very, 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 very much for that. Um, it does mean a lot. And again, it goes a long way. So thank you all so much um, for sticking with the show, sticking by. And uh, I cannot wait for, for what's next because there's some exciting stuff coming with the show and hopefully um, again we get some resolutions to these strikes and we can start talking to the people that make the show which will be a lot of fun um, certainly have some ideas for episodes in the future as well if that doesn't happen obviously so we'll we'll certainly get on that and uh, I hope to be back next week um, with another brand new episode I'm not 100% sure what that topic's going to be because some of that will depend on uh, the guest uh, host that I can uh, convince to come and ride along with me. Uh, in the meantime, it's definitely time to leap out of here. So take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Stay safe out there. And remember, always, always leap responsibly. <laughs>